0: Hi, guys. Hello. Welcome back. We made it through a whole month. Super excited to share the information that we have this week with you, aren't we? Yes. So, first, I want to talk about this little memory I just came up on like an old email that I had emailed to myself, fortunately, because if it was written down, I probably would not have it still. But it's basically a dream list that I had made in 2015, which is exactly this time that I'm talking about or that I was talking about in the last episode and possibly a little bit in the end of this one as well. So 2015 was very, very rough. I started the year broken up from Fisher in Austin, hooking up with this other Israeli guy, working the hardest, most challenging Christmas At Barton Creek Mall with two kiosks, Fisher in Houston, not giving a shit about me, me trying to figure out how I'm going to implode the company from within and take half of it and just have complete revenge. So there was a lot of strife. And then, you know, so it was Christmas and I spent, you know, New Year's without him. I ended up going back to Houston and we got back together in February. Then later on that year is when we both got arrested together on the lake. We were set up basically by the cops there. They have more bell bonds on every corner of the street than they do like gas stations it's insane so they run a business out of it we got really screwed over it ended up getting dropped like a pi or something like that but it was a very very traumatic event i mean it was like i used to get financial aid for school so that would disqualify me from that and they were so rude they harassed me it was just disgusting so him and i did not leave our beds our room we lived at sky house downtown we didn't leave for a month we were terrified we didn't drink so i started exercising a lot i started working hard i was saving money and so i that is when i wrote these goals down so i want to read them to you guys so dream list straight clean healthy teeth so this is five years ago i had braces for two years a fiat 500 automatic debt free with good credit To have my own business as a life coach and personal trainer. Okay, so I'm not a personal trainer, but that's my choice, my design. To be around my friends who love me. I mean, I actually have done some personal training in these last couple of years, like I would train Christina. So to be around my friends who love me. To weigh in between 120, 123 consistently, but in a healthy way. To stop obsessing about my weight and be happy. To make a lot of money through my business and have many clients to expand, train, and branch out. To have my own volunteer organization, The Activation Project. To be kind and stop having so many conflicts. Because I was just fighting with everybody. Ah, All the other salespeople hated me. God. To live in a beautiful house with lots of windows. A lovely garden. A yoga meditation room close to my sisters with a man who loves and adores me for who I am. So, I have made every single one of those happen for me, except for the last one, of course, like and some things I've gotten and then they've gone away. Like I did have a house earlier this year, I don't have the house anymore. I've acquired these things at one time, but I wasn't able to hold on to them. Do you know why? Because most of those goals that I set They weren't necessarily in the SMART format. So in a lot of them, I'm stating going away from what I don't want instead of towards what I do want. So your mind, it only hears the actual word, you know, so it's like debt free. Here's debt, you know, so you can end up dragging yourself back to where you had been and lose the things that you had acquired, if that makes any sense. So really important to understand how to properly goal set. That is incredibly, incredibly important. Do you have anything that you wanted to add to that?
1: Goal setting. The way that I get the things that I want is not to think about them, but get into the feeling of knowing that I have them. Is um, stepping into the picture of knowing exactly what it is and knowing that I have it. And then taking and breathing life force energy into it and then taking it out into my timeline, dropping it in there and then allowing all the changes all the way back to me now. And my list of goals that I've made within the last three months, most of them have come true. And it's just been a wild ride for me. Before, I wouldn't even write goals down or dreams or anything like that because I was too afraid to put it on paper because if I didn't get it, I mean... My way of thinking back then really held me back from a lot of things. Because if I didn't tell anyone I wanted, I couldn't get disappointed. I could just be kind of disappointed inside, but there was no proof of that on the outside. But now I try and set a goal every day and I make them big and fat and meaty. Like people are like, and I also I don't listen to people that tell me I can't have the things that I want. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt when I say that I want something, then I'll get it. And I know the feelings that I'll have when I have it. And that brings it to you a lot faster. Because the mind doesn't know the difference between something that you imagine and the emotions that bring up then or actually being in the thing that's happening. And that's, you know, what happens when it comes to PTSD. Your mind thinks that you're in that moment again. That's the reason why you have all those feelings come back. So you can use that for your benefit when you're setting your goals. So some of the other things we want to talk about today is spiritual bypassing. Spiritual bypassing is the shadow side of spirituality. It's using those spiritual beliefs to avoid feelings, unhealed trauma, and not getting your needs met. Some examples of those things are those good vibes only crowd and when people have weak boundaries that they have a lot of judgments toward their shadow side, detachment, repressed feelings, also delusions of having a higher level of confidence consciousness and using cognitive reasoning to avoid their emotions. Now, there's a lot. I know a lot of people do that. I was guilty. I sometimes even do it now, but I didn't know what I didn't know back then. And now that I know, I can't unknow it. So sometimes it comes up really clear in, in my reality. And the reason why I was doing that was because it kept me safe as a young kid. So if I was to say that, well, when I used to go to church, I would just give it over to God instead of dealing with my emotions that are just like, okay, he will handle it. Instead of me actually going in, understanding my wounds, understanding those things and my needs, I gave it to someone else. And then I forgot about it, which just pushed it down deeper and created more problems in my life that I didn't see and created these coping mechanisms that served me for that moment. But 10, 15 years later, didn't serve me at all. And I had no idea how they got there. And it wasn't until I actually went, did the internal work to actually see that. So now that I know all these things, I can make A big difference and a big change in my life without having to have this false positivity, like the good vibes only, and this be inauthentic. So I don't, I avoid emotions and feelings and even others' emotions and feelings. Like when you tell someone like, oh, just think about on the positive side, it's fine. Oh, just think about all the great things. Fake it until you make it. I'm like, I can't fake that. Like I need to have those emotions. I need to be able to be authentic in the things that I'm feeling and it needs to be okay. And we struggle really, really a lot in our time and day when you know, the, some of the experiences that I've had with people. What about you? How has this affected okay your life? Right. Yes. <laughs> so spiritual bypassing, it's pretty aggressive
0: and um, it's passive aggressive. Like I told you in the last episode, I think, or the one before that about how my mother would always bypass her emotions and she wouldn't open up to us about them. So that made it very difficult for us to. And so, yeah, we were experts at reframing things into the positive positive. and so now it's like i'm gonna tell my clients the fact that you can convert your thoughts and reframe them to the positive so quickly just means that you can turn that and use it to reframe your goals And to reframe your thinking patterns and neuroplastic, you know, pathways. But it doesn't mean that you can't allow yourself to feel the negative emotions as well. You must have compassion with yourself and understanding. So just use that because it's a superpower. My superpower is that I can switch to plan B super quickly. I can think of a positive outcome. I can think a positive reason why something is happening. And, you know, plant medicine and stuff like that can be extremely helpful to do that, to get those questions that you need, because the more specific your question, the more specific the answer that will come to you. And sometimes the answers come to me in the form of more specific questions, which then allow me to answer my own transitional dilemma. So I want to invite you to look into, you know, whatever's going on in your life right now, whatever thing that you're trying to work through, and think of the most specific question that you can. Because the, Jim Quick says the quality of your life is directly correlated to the dominant question that you ask yourself. So I have two. I have, how can I excel in every area of my life? And how can I make the most positive impact in the world? For me, the way that spiritual bypassing shows up is in relationships. Especially, you know, with guys, because what a part of spiritual bypassing is unconditional love. Like false unconditional love. So you think that you're like, you know, because I say I love you, like right away, like, I love you. And I know that in a lot of cases it can be genuine, but that doesn't mean that it's not my insecurities, just attaching to their insecurities and like it's very fear-based, right? So it's just like me entangling myself into them so that they can't break free from me. It's almost like putting them under a spell, literally, with those three words, I love you, essentially being used in a way that is like black magic because words are being spoken and imprinted onto the subconscious mind. And if you don't have a very, very specific foundation that is the standard for what love is, the standard for love must be be objective. There must be a standard by which we claim to give love and to receive love. Because if you tell people that you love them, oh, and forgive them, forgive them, you know, like just unconditional love. You just got to love them anyway. You got to be there for them. Absolutely not. Especially If people have no framework for what love is, they're going to think that their dysfunctional attachments of codependency to the other person is love. Oh, he loves me. That's why he enables me to do crack and meth. Oh, he loves me. And that's why he wants us to be in a threesome or a foursome. Oh, he loves me. And that's why he wants me to let him go on backpage.com and hook up with girls and guys and whoever he wants to. Oh, he loves me. He just cares about me. That's why he's not telling me. It's just this ask, don't ask, don't tell situation. So if love is anything from that to any of the couples that are on my motivational couples Monday on my Instagram, or even to the best, most powerful couple that you can think of like Beyonce and Jay Z. I mean, and even him, you know, there was a lot of infidelity there that really hurt her. And almost ended their marriage. So it's like, who are you modeling after? Are these so-called words, I love you, are they being used to entrap people, to ensnare them into this dysfunctional attachment to you because you're so fearful that you're going to end up alone that you desperately need to cling to somebody because you make them need you and not be able to live without you. You have to do what you can to really figure out what's going on. First, understand properly what the framework for love is, right? What the standard is, what the foundation has to be, so the metrics so that you can gauge, okay, you hold it up to that light. Is this love? Does this feel like this? Does it look like this? If it's not, how can you get there? And if the other person is not willing to get there via a growth mindset, then decide to move on. Don't waste any time. Time is very precious. We really need to make the best use of it.
1: So people might be thinking that they're trapped in these things that they know aren't good for them. But how do they get out? So I was very, someone very similar where I stayed in relationships. I would call myself until the wheels came off. <laughs> and even then I'd try to like duct tape them back on. So what I had to do is I had to do the work. And a lot of that had to do with going back into the past and creating resolve with a lot of the trauma that I experienced from my childhood. And a lot of times after you integrate a lot of yourself and, you know, you let go of negative emotions on a lot of the significant emotional events that happened to you in your life, you can find it a lot easier to do that. And when you find out what's actually important to you in a relationship, a lot of people when asked what's important to you in a relationship, they're like, uh, and they have to search for it and they don't even realize what their unconscious values around that is. And getting conscious of those things will help you to understand yourself even more. And if anyone does need a relationship breakthrough or they want to understand themselves or attract the person that they want or need, I do do coaching for that. And I have had success with people to help their relationships. I help some twins. And, you know, even if it's a sibling relationship or a mother daughter or any kind of relationship or, you know, a partner, but understanding your past will help you in resolving the past won't project that stuff you know that itty bitty shitty committee all those little things from there won't project out onto your future and create all these unconscious things that you keep going after and after and after and once you integrate then it'll be a lot easier for you to get those things that you want and need all right so we're gonna let you guys
0: listen to the last little bit of the journey Then we're going to open up the floor for questions and answers. We're going to read through some of the questions that you guys have submitted to us from Instagram. Hopefully, we'll get a lot of those questions answered. If there's more, we're going to do one a month. Depending on who's being featured that month. So the next three episodes after that, we're going to do Serena, right? And then we'll do you in October. We're going to do Serena first and then we'll see. Serena. Oh, because it's, you know, it's kind of connected to my story. So it'll help give you like a different perspective. Right. And then. Christina's
1: crazy story will come. I think I might read him a story at some point. Ooh! Oh, I'm writing a book about short stories about my life. And I want to share with you guys one of those short stories, so you can hear a couple of hours condensed into about 30 minutes of an incident that happened to me. It's called "The Day I Lost My Saturday Underwear." What? Oh my god! You know when you're kids you have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Well, <gasps> it was the day that I lost my. Oh my! my- Saturday. Underwear. God, how old were you? Eight. I knew you were
0: going to say eight. I knew it. Right after that, I got my period when I was nine. Okay, that is nutty. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so enjoy. We'll be back at the
2: end. When you debug it, you realize not serving me at the highest level you know and i do think there's something to thought crime it's a slippery slope contempt if i have contempt for you internally in our relationship it's like no get that out of your head
0: so what should i do okay so i love that about the integration and yes what do i do to this part of me that went through all of that Encourage
2: vision the future reinforce it remind it share it get excited about it you know, generate some good energy. Like, understanding,
0: like, it was just a form of protection for myself. You know, like, a means of survival. It sure sounds like that. It's like fight, flight, or freeze. And I was freeze.
2: One yeah. thing I'll never know what how terrifying it must be to be a chick. And to be attractive and to have all the horny dudes. Wizards. What
0: happens is you just start to numb and you start to, like, trivialize So you start to trivialize sex because you have to. You have to minimize the
2: importance of it in your
0: head, because if you see it as like some major thing, that's just a recipe for trauma.
2: If you don't have a pathway out of it at the time.
0: Yeah. Well, yes, exactly. Exactly. At the time. So I'm like, instead of making it be like, oh, my God, I went through this and this sexual experience being like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. That's easier. It's an easier way to get through it.
2: Right. That's how survivors operate.
0: Yeah. You have to reframe it in your mind Mm -hmm. as well. It's life, you know? And then it also helps you not to be so scared of it happening in the future because you can already play it out in your head. Okay, well, if it happened, I'll I'll just do this. It's not as big or traumatic. And it all just comes down to me having the inability to say no or to ask for what I need or want or being able to orgasm in bed. It's pretty crazy.
2: You can. You can do that. You know, part of the but
0: nothing
2: what are you saying
0: no nothing i just liked what you said
2: (laughs) it is that easy you know in a sense like part of being so strong and being a survivor and being able to harness the capacity to minimize it's there it's not really there and Mm -hmm. it's kind of in a weird way you're like oh no i'm I'm mentally strong so i can just yeah yeah, yeah. we're good you know right here we are
0: we don't have to let it really affect us so much but just to kind of like okay acknowledge it Mm -hmm. forgive yourself you know it's okay I was you know a victim in a lot of those situations even though I've never wanted to think of myself as victim yes at all in any way uh, yeah that's the paradox right but understanding that you know I wasn't wrong or it wasn't my fault that these dudes were attracted to me you know, they were just as much responsible, uh, or more so than me, because they were the adults. Getting it out there, I mean, now what am I going to do, you know? The whole world will know <laughs> who I am. There's such a freedom in that. I
2: was just going to say. Being brain. able
0: to really just, yeah, tell your whole story. Rip the band-aid off. This is me. This is what's Then find out who accepts you and loves you for who you really are, you know?
2: It's even better than that. You will repel all the shallow, insecure, ridiculous people who haven't done the work and don't have compassion and can't see your beauty mm. and can't see the beauty and all the work. If someone hasn't done the work, they're going to be repelled. If you're talking about truth, if you're sharing all this stuff, they're going to be repelled. So you know that in advance. i it. I'm, I'm a select dish. Not for everyone, right? Right. We know that. We know that, right? I'm an acquired taste. Five years single. I know this, right? (laughs) It's true.
0: (laughs) I am definitely an acquired taste. But you see, I'm also very adaptable and flexible. So I can adapt with people's personalities also. Mm -hmm. I can become what they need me to be kind of thing. So I have that part of me, yeah, that kind of just like denies what I need and gives them what they need. Just all variations of the same thing, not being able to say no, Mm -hmm. just needing to be, yeah, whatever it is they need me to be so that I can be loved, wanted and seen. The last thing on earth that I want is for my light to be dimmed by somebody. And that is some progress that I've made within the last you know, year and a half, I've gotten so much better. I mean, I had to congratulate myself because I really have come a very long way. Like I would have stayed much longer in some of these like relationships I've been in, in the past, because I wouldn't have been strong enough to just be like, no, you deserve better than this. This isn't what you want. So kind of like saying no and leaving, but also recognizing when it's me just being flighty and when it's me choosing myself and my happiness, you know?
2: That's going to be a challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it is.
2: It is. And
0: usually it's a little bit of both, you know?
2: Yeah, they're mixed.
0: So I'll go around and I'll get validation from everyone. Like, okay, he did this, this and that. What do you guys think? Yes, no. They're like, no. I'm like, okay. I see counsel a lot.
2: Which is good. But I think that until you have an understanding of individuation, until you have a context of somebody else's trauma, and until you have... Literally, where are we going? What's the purpose of this in our relationship? Like, what's the greener pasture? What are we striving for? What are we aligning under? Mm -hmm. What are your hopes and dreams? Do those even fit with mine?
0: Right. All the important stuff.
2: The really important stuff, yeah. Fuck
0: yeah. How hard was it for you to let go of sex and all of
2: that stuff?
0: What did you do in moments where you were just like, so horny and dying to have sex?
2: I realized what I was doing and where it was hurting me and I had to remind myself and catch it quickly because there are positive feedback loops and if you catch them quick, you're good. You just have to develop the awareness to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Whatever your example is, where do you start to regress into your cave of primitive whatever? It's a slippery slope. It is. And those are circuits. So one thing that we know from I took Jordan Peterson's personality course and he's read a, a slew of Neuropsychological, psychological, psychological, neuropharmacological data. And the basic understanding that they have is that the personality has multiple sub personas in it. We know this, it's kind of like the shadow, this separate set of values, separate you living within you. So we have a deck of cards that we play with, right? And so if I know that I have this living gene set inside me that has values, shitty values that are self-destructive to my overall future vision, I need to extinguish that gene set. Like, I need to make sure that that circuit dies. I need to kill it. I need to be committed to that. I need to know the cost of what-
0: Like with the brain bomb.
2: Yep. Yep.
0: Okay. The bomb, brain, circuits, died, new person. It's not there. And that's why I just- Don't like when people say that people can't change. I mean, we can do any fucking thing
2: that we want. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, and that's part of it is like, I have faith in people because I needed somebody to have faith in me. I needed to have faith in myself and I surprised so many people. And so I guess I just, I have the same compassion for other people. Like I'm like, I know you can do this. You know, I did, I want to help
2: you people help themselves. So that's the tricky Yeah, thing. those are two. Yes, change happens. Yes, you can repent and on a dime and change your life one day to the next. But have a respect for the incredible brain and the incredible mind and the incredible heart and soul that you are and the general exception that that is to the rule that is not the rule that is the exception. You know, so you don't have unhealthy ideas to someone else's attachment. You don't have unhealthy attachments to someone else's growth. And you take your time to evaluate what is a stable pair bond. And you negotiate for needs to see, is it possible? You know, what could this be? One of the great resources that I think I found over the last couple of years that was incredibly positive is something called Real-Time Relationships. It's basically uh, that, this book that Stefan Maughan you wrote.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I really want to read it. It gives you the blueprint for compassionate understanding and conflict resolution in a relationship where we all are going to come from different tribes.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, you have just really, really helped me to... Because I just still had a lot of judgments with people, which is really not something you want
2: to have as a coach.
0: You know, like... You want to come from a place with like as little judgment as possible, and I try, well, but with, that's
2: a tricky one, though, because there's like moral judgment. There's discernment, and, and we're saying there is a th- such thing as optimal bad and evil. Evil for yourself,
0: okay, right? But I'm talking about that's like yeah, discernment. That's right. discernment between good and evil. There's judgment, yeah. you know, like with Ram Dass. Love everyone, tell the truth. I can't. I have too many judgments. Mm-hmm. Because judgments are the one thing that stop you from loving people, loving, you know. So, yeah, you know, I want to work on minimizing my judgment. But all that to say, you know, you have helped me with that just by like the first time you did it was with, you know. Mm And, you know, how I was kind of venting about how she could be flaky. And then you were just like, then you really reeled it in with not knowing where people are coming from. And wow, that just kind of like wiped away like 10 years of resentment for her and a a bunch of other people. You know, just those little like words of like wisdom and insight to open you up to a new perspective. Brain bombs.
2: Yeah, exactly. Bomb in the brain.
0: <laughs> exactly, which I—I yeah. I, another word for that for me is spiritual experience, psychic change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yep. what I live for. God, those like little bombs of wisdom. Anyway, this has been extremely
2: helpful. Oh, awesome! God, I'm so glad. I just
0: have like this clear framework, you know now of understanding and sort of decision to make. You know, it's like the last missing piece I needed in order to like start to really love myself completely. I don't have to be ashamed of anything anymore. And I can start to treasure and value myself, my body and hold sex and sexual acts as sacred my vagina is sacred, my body. It's my choice, you know, what I am going to do with it and who I'm going to allow into it. And just making the right choices in my life to not put myself in situations where I might feel compelled to have sex even when I really don't want to.
2: Intimacy, just from breathing, exercises, and sharing about personal history is so gratifying and is so beautiful. It's like, I've completely shifted what I thought. As a man, I had this cross of responsibility for, you know, gotta make sure your girl's completely satiated from a sexual appetite perspective, you know? And the more that I've learned and studied and grown, even if that's what they think at the time, I do believe that there is like an alternate dimension of connection. Like a much higher level of capacity to connect and bond around just being and you
0: know. Oh yeah, do you know anything about energetic orgasms?
2: I'm gonna send you a really crazy podcast. Okay. I don't know what you're gonna I'll check, check it out. About I don't it. Know. My mind goes to a couple places, but
0: <laughs> yeah, basically, like I think Whitney Miller was talking about it. She had an energetic orgasm by listening to the song. And you can have an energetic orgasm with somebody else, but not touching them. So they talk about it in this podcast, which seems kind of interesting. I mean, I probably have a better shot at an energetic orgasm than a sex orgasm.
2: You feel safe. You know, you orgasm between your ears. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have to feel ridiculously safe. Oh, It all happens in the mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't put any pressure on that. In the context of a loving, committed relationship, you'll laugh. Looking back, like, of course, I needed this connection and love for that to happen. You know? Uh, It's maddening, you know?
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: How simple. Hi everyone. We are back to answer some questions and answers from the last three episodes that we did. Super excited to get to do this because I think it's a really great way to just tie everything in together and bring it home and help that information to really impact and and sit in and absorb. So uh, we're going to just start by reading some of the questions that we received. So some of these are going to be a little bit about spiritual bypassing. This first one is how do you tell someone that you care about, that they are spiritually bypassing.
1: So spiritual bypassing and um, telling someone that you care about it. So the first thing that I do when I notice something like that is that I assess the situation. What does that mean if I tell this person this now and how are they going to take it? Now I ask a lot of questions and get very curious about their thoughts and the reasons why they're doing the thing that they are because maybe sometimes they'll arrive at that realization on their own because awareness coming from yourself through curiosity and someone just telling you about yourself can be perceived very differently. But I stay within someone's model of the world. And I also understand that if you drop a big truth on someone like your spiritual bypassing or that they're not seeing something that they're not seeing, then sometimes they will freak out and kind of push that awareness that you're trying to bring to them, like to never, ever look at it again. So what I do is I assess because what will the person have to change about themselves, their friends, their family, and the things that are going on in their life with the information that you're trying to give them. Is it going to be positive or negative? And I also ask them if they're open to coaching, if they're open to what I have to say to them.
0: Yeah, like, are you open to some feedback or are you open to an observation?
1: Yeah, and then if they say no, then I just keep my mouth closed. I have tried to give some people some awareness before and it has blown up in my face. So prefacing it by asking them first if they want feedback is massively important. And then also give them the opportunity to reject what you're saying. So say you can reject this if this is not you. And you can give them a way to say no without standing their ground in a way that pushes you away and the relationship that you're cultivating with them. And that's normally how I do it. And then also I'm just gentle. I mean, depending on what they're bypassing, you know, I will tell them metaphors or I'll relate it to something that happened to me in my own life and make it more about the curiosity of what would happen if they did bypass and what would happen if they didn't bypass and to relate it back to any kind of stories that I have personally or with other people that I've worked with.
0: I think also maybe checking in with yourself before, like, what is the outcome that I'm hoping to achieve by communicating this to this person and checking your motivation and your intention behind it? Is it because you feel like you could have a positive impact and help them to sort of break through whatever challenge that they're going through? Or is it because you want to impose your knowledge on them or, you know, just check in with your intention? How does it feel in your body? How does it feel physiologically when you feel the urge to tell this person something? Do you feel tense? Do you feel relaxed? Do you feel loved? Do you feel nervous, anxious? You know, these are all like really important markers as to what and where this urge and desire is coming from. And so let's say that they do, you know, indeed want an observation or some feedback from you. One uh, model for communication that I have found to be massively useful, and it just really revolutionized my style of communication is from Kim Scott's book, Radical Candor. So if you're looking at a T chart or whatever, so you have two components of Radical Candor, right? So on one axis, you have... Caring personally. On the second axis that's going horizontally to the vertical axis, you have challenging directly. Now, in order to have radical candor, you must have both components. If you only show the person that you care personally, but you don't challenge directly, that is what is called ruinous Empathy. An example of that would be to not tell somebody that their fly is down or that they have food in their teeth when they're talking in public. Or I think passive aggression falls under that category because you care about them. So you're not just going to like challenge them directly, but it's also ruinous empathy because it's not helping them at all or telling somebody that you work with how they could be doing a better job, telling them, you know, that they're spiritually bypassing. like, oh, I just care so much about them. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to trigger them. So you have to include challenging directly if you do care about them. So it's like playing good cop, tough cop. However, if you do just challenge directly, but you don't care personally, that is obnoxious aggression. Now, honestly, I definitely lean more to challenging directly because that's just my personality. And with my value system, for me, it's more important that the truth comes out than the delivery. So I know that about myself. So something I have to work more on is showing the person how much I care about them personally. And that is why I'm challenging them directly. Now, if you don't care personally, nor challenge directly, it's just manipulative insincerity. So you have to have both. So what does that look like? You know, hey, Christina, I just want to commend you for, you know, the strength that you have been displaying to get through these challenges that you're going through in your life. I mean, you know, launching a business going to school to up your certifications and your knowledge. Meanwhile, you know, going through transitions in your life. And I really respect the fact that you can immediately reframe something into the positive. But, you know, an experience that I've had by doing that is that I'll push down the negative emotions because I don't want to feel them in that moment because I just think, you know, if I do, then it's just going to open Pandora's box and I won't be able to get out. So when I've done that, I found that they, it doesn't go away. You know, it just builds up, you know, like you don't want to turn your back to a barking dog or a dog that's lunging after you. You just want to turn and face it and figure out what's going on. So really integrate that pain right now. And I think that that's just going to make you stronger, a stronger person than you already are. If you just decide to make the decision just to go into that uncomfortable, quote unquote, negative feeling, right?
1: Yeah. Emotions are just, they direct you where to go. They're my emotional compass. Where am I at right now in my life? And I test it through my emotions. And negative emotions allow me to see things that I might not want to see, but it gives me the opportunity to know myself more than I was in the previous moment. And like Teal Swan says, Pain. Pay attention. Integrate now. But there is also spiritual bypassing and people always trying to fix everything and falling into the healing trap, which I do allow myself to feel the things that I need to for an appropriate time before I need to fix them. Mm. And what is an appropriate time? Well, it depends on the person. So recently I had something come up for me that was extremely painful and you know at that moment I was trying to meta model myself out of it you know use NLP use all my tools to be like okay so this is my part I'm taking responsibility for this fear not being enough came up I'll never be good enough all these fears and beliefs came up and I started writing them down I'm like oh I'm gonna knock all this stuff out in one day and I was like wait spiritual bypassing right now because I am going head first into this work without actually being with those emotions and allowing them to show me more and deeper what I need to see so I was like okay I checked in with my unconscious mind how much time do you need to feel this before we can try to create some resolve with it and it said two weeks you need two weeks. And I was like, okay. Beautiful. I was like, okay, I can do that. And I got from tuning into it that I needed to be with my emotions for two weeks that over this time that I needed to write down all the different emotions that are coming up for me, all the beliefs and all the things that are coming up and examine myself, but not do it in a way that it's like, I'm doing this so that this doesn't happen again. I'm doing this so that I am better because the parts that of me that are upset that are feeling this pain they need to be felt fully and to bypass them just to feel better doesn't do them any justice and doesn't allow me to get the deeper healing that I will get in the end mm-hmm. so that's how I've been you know redoing or reseeing the way that I approach healing because it's okay sometimes to be in it to like be sad and it's okay to be in the shit which you know sometimes doesn't feel good but it reminds you of who you are and how you got to where you are. And I'm going through it and giving myself that time because I need it. Yeah, you do. You really do. And sometimes these really
0: catastrophic things that come into our life are happening because we're running on empty and we're taking in all of the energy from everybody else. And it's just kind of finally like, stop. It's your turn to go in and heal and take care of yourself. You know, like when you're you get sick because your body's like, you need a rest. And so it forces you into that place of shelter. I would say also for people who might still be stuck in this very reactionary place, like road rage, you know, someone pisses you off. Like if you really think about it, like think about how many times you get angry in a day, like, oh, motherfucker, you know, like, or just get mad at something for those people or the people that Christina was talking about that really just want to go into everything. Like, oh, I'm feeling sad. Okay, I'm just going to break down right here. You know what Hal Elrod does, the author of The Miracle Morning, when something really would upset him. He would set the timer on his phone or on his watch for five minutes and he would say, all right, I'm going to go into this. I'm going to get as angry as I need to. I'm going to scream. I'm going to cuss. I'm going to be as mad as I need to for five minutes. And when that alarm goes off, I'm going to stop. Obviously not if it's something huge, right? If somebody pisses you off, if someone cancels an appointment, if you're waiting for an hour at the doctor's office or you just get into like a fender bender, things like that. And what you'll find is when you allow yourself to get into that, you really don't even need five minutes. You'll find that after a minute or two, you're kind of over it because you allowed yourself to feel it. It's when you try to push it down that it just keeps pushing back up and you have that feeling of, oh my God, I can't control my emotions. I can't stop being angry at this person. So I have to run out of the room and slam the door. So giving yourself a little time limit, you know, for the less egregious things can be helpful as well. But just really quick, that reminds me, I was out not too long ago with some friends and somebody was at the table that, you know, just wasn't being as jovial and the life of the party. And someone was like, Hey man, we need you to change your vibes. And I was like, you know, what's so sad about that is that like, you could be going through something really hard. And the one thing that you need is to go out and have connection with people, but you don't do it because you're like, Oh, well, I don't want to be a burden on anyone. I don't want to bring my bad vibes around. It's going to bring everybody down. So we as a society have made it so taboo and unsafe for people to come around if they're going through stuff. Like, hey, man, I don't want to hear about that. Don't put that on me. Whereas we should be like, hey, you're feeling down. Come out. Let's hang out together. And it's okay. You can sit there. You don't want to say anything. You can start crying if you need to. And just holding space for people to feel all vibes like Christina's shirt which you guys can start pre-ordering now, by the way. Okay, do you wanna move to the next question? Okay. How can we start to move towards what we want in relationships when all we've known, especially in relationships with men, has either been not safe or felt not trustworthy? So like if all we've ever known, you know, is a guy or girl that are bad, badly adjusted and dysfunctional, if that's all we've ever known and really seen, how can we start to move towards what we do want? How can we start to change or break that pattern?
1: So this one here, the way that I attack it from my coaching is I find out how that is a problem for the person. Like, how is it a problem that you didn't have anyone that, to model, you know, how are you're feeling unsafe? And I really get the person's language to come out. Like, what does that mean to you? What does it mean that you aren't getting the relationships that you want? What are you making that mean? What is the story that you're telling yourself about it? And through that, a lot of limiting decisions, limiting to beliefs, negative emotions are coming up that are trapped because of things that happen in someone's past. So if you have all these trapped negative emotions and beliefs from your past when you're a child or, you know, teenage years or something that happened to you, then those are still there. Those inner children or parts of you are still trapped feeling those things. And if you haven't created resolve with that, then it's going to project out into your future and you're going to attract people in your life that bring up these triggers so you can integrate that pain. So deep diving into who was your model? Who was that person? Who was the person that you are perceiving to be bad now? Who are you projecting into your future? And then working with that to create the healing that you need instead of going towards things you don't want. So I want safety because I never felt it before in relationship to a man. I mean, that is an away from motivation. Hmm. Figuring out when was the very first time that that happened, creating the resolve with that memory. So it's gone and releasing the anger, fear, sadness, hurt, guilt and shame, whatever is tied to it and whatever belief you came up with after experiencing that. And you'll notice that it will completely shift and then you will start to attract people into your life. Be like, I want safety because it feels good. You'll notice the change in language. I want safety because it feels good. I want safety because it's what my soul wants. You know, like you go towards it instead of saying, I want it because I don't want to feel something.
0: (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. If you guys heard the last three episodes, I said that several times. I want monogamy because I never was with a guy who only wanted me.
1: There is a beginning to when that happened that is unresolved within you. And as soon as you create the healing with that, then when I ask you again, why do you want monogamy? It's going to change. It's going to say, because it feels good. I love when someone loves me unconditionally and I'm the only one. Why is that important to you? Because I can relax and I love relaxing. You know, just you can tell in someone's language the reasons why they're going after things. And that's the reason why... People will yo-yo with certain things, especially with money. So if you think about this in the context of money, where you know some people that make a lot of money and then all of a sudden they lose it all, it's because they are... I don't want to be poor. I don't want this. I don't want this. And they're getting far away from it. As soon as they're not poor, they're not motivated anymore. Right. And then they have to fall back closer to that poverty line to be motivated again to get further out. Mm, And that's what the yo-yo effect goes with weight loss, too. As soon as someone gets to a point, if they're not doing it because they want to feel good, they're doing it because they don't want to be fat. Same thing. That's why they have yo-yoing back and forth with weight, yo-yoing with relationships, Yeah. Is that exact same thing?
0: Right. Yeah. So a couple of things that just came to my mind is I've recently been asking myself, what are my limiting beliefs? Now, Jim Quick talks about how there's a direct correlation between the quality of your life and the dominant questions that you ask yourself. So... Make that your dominant question if you don't know what your limiting beliefs are right now. And you can change your dominant question as you start to evolve and progress. But ask your subconscious mind, what are my limiting beliefs in relationships with men? What are my limiting beliefs with finances, with my family? And some of mine are very powerful and you are all free from this. But I had to write these down like, okay, one of them was, I can't hold on to people or things for very long. B. No one is going to accept or love me for my past. So in a way, limiting beliefs can drive you. So like one of the ways I reaffirmed that to myself is I was like, well, I'm just going to put it out there for the whole world to hear and prove it to myself that no one can accept it, you know? Mm -hmm. But with that comes an acceptance of myself. But now I need to say I accept myself for who I am and for my past and also to find maybe modeling of people who do. So how can I change that first limiting belief around? So I have to start easy with myself because I can't just tell myself I do hold on to things for a very long time because my subconscious won't believe that. So I started to say and said, I have the people and things in my life for as long as they are meant to be there. Or with men, it's like as soon as I can love and accept myself for who I am and for everything that I've been through in my past, then somebody else will be able to. So then I move towards the goal of me fully loving and accepting myself. Another one of them is people don't like me for very long. So I have this belief that I can get them all like wrapped up in this crazy vortex when I first meet them. But then eventually they'll be able to like see who I am. And then they'll like lose interest and leave me. So I can only keep them captivated temporarily. Delete, 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 delete. Exactly. (laughs) So as I grow and change and become more of my authentic self, I draw more authentic people to me and we form a eternal bond through love and connection.
1: I also have instilled in myself that you know, we all have the itty bitty shitty committee, that little voice inside of us says that we can't or they question us and stuff like that, which is just so you know, is in direct relationship with how you were raised. That little voice is normally an internalized parent. But what I say to myself now, when I get into my thing, well, I don't want this, I don't want that, I don't want this, is I always ask myself, what do I want instead of that? So if I get into a negative feedback loop with negative thoughts or things that I don't want, I say, what do I want instead? And it's a nice little turnaround because, you know, your thoughts bathe every neuron in the body with what you're thinking. So if you're thinking you're all free from this is uh, I look ugly today, then, you know, your unconscious mind is going to hear that. And then instead, if I say that to myself, I'm like, oh, I catch myself. Well, what do I want instead? I feel good today. I have really nice eyes today. My hair looks really nice today. I really like my smile. I want to feel good today. I change what I'm saying that way. And I try to always throw out the things that I don't want and just ask myself what I want instead.
0: And that, especially for this time right now with everything that's going on in our (laughs) government with politics, all we hear is bitch, bitch, bitch and complain, the Republicans against the Democrats, the Democrats against the Republican. You guys suck, this is what we don't want. None of the candidates are great. What would an ideal government look like? What would that look like? What would that vision look like if we could all come together on the same page and agree upon some fundamental things and values that involve acceptance and patience and progression and education and solutions, you know, moving towards the solutions. Okay. So we're going to go, we have time for one more question. How can you integrate an inappropriate split when in, in public and inappropriate has parentheses? So like, yeah, if you, I guess maybe like have a meltdown or something. Ooh, that reminds me. Actually, just recently I was with a friend in a group of people and it was her birthday. And she started kind of to have like a lot of things from the past, you know, like how I had missed out on a really important event in her life. And we had kind of discussed it before, but I guess like it had not fully been resolved. And there was, you know, a lot of like she was drinking and stuff like that. So I know that that brought out, you know, made it a little bit more emotional. And I was okay to receive that in that situation. But I think some of the other people were like, hey, you know, not here, not in public. And then that made it worse. You know, it's just kind of exploded and it's like, don't fucking tell me that, you know? So what would be the best way to resolve it in sort of a public setting when it's very clear that it needs to be integrated in that moment?
1: So I have had similar situations. I've been the person that's having a public freak out and I've been the person that helps the person during a public freak out. So the first thing that I would do is every emotion that comes out of someone is always valid. That I always validate the feelings. It's okay to feel this way. I can see why you feel this way and never ever That's not true. Yeah, that's not true. I you mean, defending. yeah, you shouldn't think those are like horrible. That's that's a recipe for, you know, like a bigger blow up.
0: That was the first fight Christine and I ever had. I was like, "Stop feeling like that." Or and something said, like that.
1: Don't you? <laughs> don't, you don't tell me how to feel. <laughs> it was it was pretty great. We were working together, but um, So what I do is I validate the person's feelings. Now, that doesn't mean that I agree with them. I'm just saying it's okay for them to feel what they're feeling. And I try to understand what they're feeling from their perspective. Not me getting into their shoes, but me being in their shoes, like me being them. And then I assess whether or not it is a place where we can create the healing And if it needs to happen now, then what I would do is I would make the space to do that because if you're drunk at a party or something like that and they're wanting to figure it out now, then I would take that person aside and ask them if this is something that they actually want to go into now or I would say, hey, would you like to go into this at a time where you know you haven't been drinking and that we're not out in public and really try to understand what it is that they're needing in that moment and and if they want to go into it there you know what it's more important that they that they
0: get some resolve yes. you know if it, if they're like yes because i remember that's how i was i was a very angry drunk especially one of my sisters would try to calm me down you know it was just like you're making a scene oh my god that was worse you're making a scene i don't- Care. you're being so ghetto yeah. so ghetto well
1: the thing is is that doing it in a public space with like that when being drunk there is a deeper thing here there is a reason why the person is actually doing this there's a secondary gain people actually have to listen and that multiple people have Ooh. to listen Ooh. you can't not notice someone that is having a heightened emotional reaction they have to be seen. So where else in her life is she not being seen? Where did this come from? It's not about you. It's not about the situation that you are in. This is a deep emotional need that has never been met for her. And how long has it been going on in her life? And how is she projecting it onto all the people that are in the group in that moment? And that's the real issue here is that it's not normally about the actual person and the thing that happened. It's about something that they didn't get or some trauma that is unresolved from childhood that they are completely and totally unaware of and that is coming out in these instances. So I try to separate the person from the behavior because people are good. The behavior can be bad and all behavior can be changed. Mm. So what I do is... I ask questions. I get very curious about the problem they're having. How is it a problem for them? What are they making it mean? I start yeah, asking like questions. She was really
0: upset that I didn't show up for the biggest most important day of her life.
1: I'm like, "Well, can someone can someone show up at the biggest day of your life and still not care?" get her thinking about things outside of that can someone not show up and still show you that you care have you ever missed something that was important to someone else and you still cared about them she's very focused on the problem and the result of whatever that was happening in that instant rather than looking at and focusing her awareness external so she can see all the possibilities which is fine because you know we all get triggered but really opening up her language and her mind to other possibilities because she's making it mean something and she's trying to get a need met. So I would try to create some resolve within that moment, but then also after, you know, there was a calm down or whatever she needed in that moment, I would actually create a space where she could come over and we could have a deeper talk because obviously she's getting secondary gain from causing a public scene, which means, you know, people have to listen and that there are other deeper issues and something that's unresolved so i would take that time to ask her if she was open to coaching open to feedback and open to seeing something deeper about herself and where all these things came from and then also create a, a space to set up boundaries because freaking out personally if someone did that to me that would be a boundary violation Because, you know, personally, I would prefer that if someone had an issue with me that they didn't wait until they were drunk in front of people to talk to me about it. That they actually came directly to me and didn't wait years to tell me about it. Yeah. So that also shows me that in a relationship that I had with someone that there is a miscommunication and there's a way that we're not connecting and that we need to deep dive into our relationship that way.
0: It also is going to take massive amounts of humility, even just to be able to receive that projection from someone, because that's what takes those true like ninja warrior mental skills when you can just be like, Oh, okay. I'm not going to take this personally. Mm -hmm. This is really about something that's going on with them. And this could be an excellent opportunity to find some closure and resolve. So let me put my little shield on so that I don't get my massive ego bruised right now Mm -hmm. especially because I'm being like defamed here in public (laughs) as a horrible friend so I had already accepted the fact that I fucked up you know so it was kind of like that's why another thing it's very important to continuously do a moral inventory how am I affecting people? How am I not showing up for the people I care about? How can I do better? How can I move towards like more presence and more communication and love with people? How can I ask for more feedback from a place of humility and acceptance so that I can, you know, grow?
1: Um, and also, when you've been friends with someone for a really long time, the beginning of a relationship that I create with someone focuses on safety. In relationship with that other person and when you started on well, I started on my you know journey for healing and stuff like that and creating safe relationships not too long ago so having to go back and renegotiate the safety of one's relationship is really important is it safe for me to have all of my feelings with you is it safe can I say anything to you and know that you're still gonna be in connection with me and that you're not gonna run away and really going back and creating those standards and understanding what's important to you in a relationship what's important to me in a relationship are Are we still in alignment to actually being friends and doing things that we want to do together or not? And doing that with even friends and family, romantic relationships, especially if you've done a lot of healing and stuff like that, because they're used to an older version of you. And when people do the work that we do, they grow in the environment that they go back into isn't supporting the growth that they've had and the other people aren't up to where they've had that growth too. So reconciling that and making a plan to keep those older relationships if you, if they're still good for you.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you, Christina. So much wisdom. I really, really, really appreciate it. I love, and I'm so honored to be here working with you and just receiving this knowledge. So once again, we will be going on tour up the East Coast. If you would like to book the Ruby package to work two days with me, that's going to be a full day of journeying and going back and recovering your origin story and then integration with Christina after. It's $2,300. And if you send us a referral, we will give you $100 off. Okay, guys. So as soon as we get that booked, we will hit the road. We will start working with people. We are also hosting a charity art auction at the end of October. And we would love to have you guys be participants. It's going to be incredible. It's going to help major, major causes. And you're going to just start making an impact on the world just by showing up. So if you are interested in participating, email us at activated at gmail.com. We love you. Have a great day. Can't wait to hear from you. Bye.